This morning's Bible reading is taken from Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Thanks, Kerry. Morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy Lunar New Year. The year of the rabbit and the year of the cat, apparently. This is Peter and my stagehand. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. There is a beautiful banner that we uh, have had made to remind us that this is what our vision is for not just this year, but for going forward from here. We're going to talk about part of that this morning. Uh, It's a very exciting day for us as a church. This is our Focus Sunday where we want to bring to you what our focus for this year is going to be, what our emphasis is going to be throughout the year. Last year, our focus was on connecting with one another, which is the middle one, connecting with one another every week. And so this year, we're going to move it down just one notch. We're doing all three all the time, but our focus is going to be concerned for others at every opportunity. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, again, that we can be together. And I pray that you might, by your Holy Spirit, speak truth into each of our lives, that we might be instruments in your hand for your purposes. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So God's chosen instruments. That's pretty much the way I'm going to describe our theme for today. This is Focus Sunday, 2023. What's the mission of our church? For those of you who have been here for a while, we've been talking about this for the last 15 years or longer. The mission of every local church is the same. If they're a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church, the mission is always the same. We use different words to talk about the Great Commission, and that's basically all we're talking about. Our mission is this, working with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus Christ. It's got a little cadence to it. It's got three, three lines on, um, three words on each line. So working with God. What's God doing? Well, he's in the process of 
leading people to know Jesus so that their lives can be transformed both in this life and marriages and relationships, but ultimately for eternity. And he wants to grow us into being mature disciples, passionate followers is how we say it. People have different passions. We're passionate about whether it's football or it's music or it's movies or it's food or whatever it is, we're passionate about some things. Well, we think as a church we should be passionate about the Lord Jesus and follow him. That's the mission of our church. The vision of our church is on the banner behind us. Three things, committed to God every day. That's the foundation. That's what we were just singing about, building our life on God's word and on his love. Every day committed to God. Getting up in the morning and saying, good morning, Lord. What's on the agenda today? Go before me into the events of today and may all the interruptions that come into my life, may they be directed by you. Committed to God every day. Connecting with one another every week. Not being solo Christians, followers of the Lord Jesus. Not neglecting church, but connecting together. Preferably face to face, but sometimes through circumstances. One of the good things that come out of COVID, we now can connect online. That folks who can't be here this morning can still be watching. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I wasn't worried about you. I was waiting for them to respond. <laughs> of course, it's wonderful. Connecting with one another every week. Connecting not just in church, but in connect groups. Other groups, social groups, ministry groups. Connecting with one another. Don't drift. It's too easy to drift. And then, of course, and concerned for others at every opportunity. You won't get the opportunity every day, but you'll get lots of opportunities lots of times and I'll be surprising. And you never know when or how God will open the door for you simply to share a truth. So God first, committed to God every day, then one another every week, and then not being exclusive, but reaching out to others, concerned for all of the people in your spheres of influence. 2023, this is our focus for this year, concerned for others at every opportunity. So we're going to talk about that today as we work through Jonah chapter 3. Let me tell you about this man, Ananias of Damascus. This is in Acts chapter 9. Ananias was a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus. Um, and Saul, before he became Paul, was breathing out murderous threats against Christians. He didn't like Jesus, didn't like the church. He thought they were heretics and harmful. And so he deliberately ran around pursuing and arresting men and women, throwing them in jail even agreeing to the process of them being stoned, as in the process of Stephen in Acts 7. Well, Paul, Saul, had gone to Damascus, which is where Ananias lived. And when, um, on the way to Damascus, uh, Saul got knocked off his horse because Jesus met him. Who are you, Lord? Because there was a blinding light and he couldn't see. And as a result, he was blind for three days after this. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. What do you want me to do? I want you to get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. Paul does that. It's all does that. He gets up and he goes into the city. And then the Lord appears to this bloke, Ananias. And the Lord says to him, Ananias, I want you to go to Judas's house on Straight Street. There you'll find a man. He's praying. Saul and he is praying he's calling on my name in a vision he has seen you come and lay your hands on him so that he can see again to which Ananias says to the Lord in prayer very honestly Lord I've heard many reports about him and all the harm that he's done to your people in Jerusalem and now he's here to arrest everybody who calls on your name what does Jesus say to him note the words 
The Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. Saul is my chosen instrument. That's where I got the phrase from and that's what it is for us. We are also his chosen instruments, shaped and honed by him that we might proclaim his name to others. Concern for others at every opportunity is our focus for this year and we're going to give you plenty of those opportunities. We are God's chosen instruments. Ananias was because God sent him there. Paul was, Saul was God's chosen instruments because God had taken the whole course of his life to prepare him to be that sort of a person. The family he was born into, the Roman citizenship he had, growing up in Tarsus, learning Greek and logic, being educated in Jerusalem, even hating Jesus and persecuting the church were all thrown into the mix of his background of the way God had shaped him. So too for us, each of us, where we were all raised, the families we were raised in, the education we have had, the training, the talents, our temperaments, our different backgrounds, cultural experiences, our different likes and interests, our different hobbies. God made each, is, each one of us unique. Turn to the person beside them and say, you're unique. <laughs> How long does it take to say you're unique? There's only one of you in the whole world. Thank God. Unique. God's chosen instrument. Your temperaments, even your faults and weaknesses that he wants to improve and grow you out of sometimes, but he'll use your weaknesses, your inhibitions, he shaped you that way and he's reshaping you to be more like him, himself in his image, more like the Lord Jesus. So what we have to do is cooperate with him, listen to him. Working with God means being in tune with him so that when God says, like he did to Ananias, I want you to go to that place and talk to that person. Sometimes God will say things like that. Sometimes you'll just be walking along or you'll be in the supermarket and suddenly the door will open. There'll be an opportunity for you to say something. How was your weekend? All you have to do is say the truth. Just have to be honest. How was your weekend? Well, on Saturday we did this and that and yada, yada, yada. And on Sunday went to church, saw a baptism, heard a fantastic preacher. <laughs> if you're in another church, that might be true. And I did this Sunday afternoon. All you've got to do is say that. And then you see what will happen is the person that you're talking to, you say, I went to church on Sunday. You went where? You went to church. And they'll pick up on and talk about it. For those who are not interested, they'll say, oh, that's nice. They won't go any... You don't have to go any further. You just have to be honest. You just have to cooperate with what God is putting in front of you and for you to have the attitude of being concerned for others at every opportunity. You're an important part of this. And so the pastors have done some planning for this year of things we're either going to preach on or things we're going to run, some extra courses, classes, projects and events. And I'm going to invite Pastor Tracy and Pastor Charlie. They're going to come and share some of the things they're going to do this year. They each have two or three minutes. Ready, set, go. 
He possibly put that time limit on because of me. But uh, yeah, so we have some very exciting things that are going to be happening this year. And I think one of the major things I want to talk to you about is something called the power of presence. And uh, we're going to be doing this early in the year. And uh, our desire is that at least 100 of our congregational members actually go through and do this. And what the power of presence is about, it's about equipping you to be a witness on your front line. It's about equipping you to be able to talk about Jesus within your neighbourhoods, within your communities, if you're picking your kids up from school, in your local shopping centres and things like that. It's about allowing you to realise that it's not difficult to share Jesus. And uh, this is a movement that's beginning to move right across southeast Queensland. And uh, it's a call for each and every one of us to be mobilised. And, and as Pastor Darrell has said, that's, that's what our call is. We are called to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go, whatever we do. And uh, we want to empower and equip you to do that. Uh, our end goal is uh, hopefully to be involved in chaplaincy in our local shopping centres. And again, this is a movement that is really taking off uh, in our area. And uh, there's a number of shopping centres that um, chaplains are in now having a huge impact, seeing lives won for Jesus and seeing people drawn to him as a result. So I'm very excited about that. You'll see more details about that coming up very, very soon. Uh, I'll also be involved in uh, doing a Master Life course. I'll be doing Master Life Book One again this year. So if you haven't been involved in Master Life, I'd love to see you sign up for that uh, first book. We'll be kicking that off very, very soon. Uh, we're also going to be doing Alpha this year. Who's excited about Alpha? Yeah. Yeah, so we want to provide opportunity for you after you learn about the power of presence and, you know, speak to all these people. You can invite them along to Alpha to learn more about Jesus. Uh, if you've got friends that you've spoken to for a long time uh, and engaged with, you can invite them along to do an Alpha course. So we're doing two Alpha courses this year. Uh, one of them will be a physical course face-to-face, -face, and then uh, Trace is going to do one online as well in the third term. But uh, we want you guys to be thinking about that and being ready to invite people to come along to that. Um, the other thing I'm going to be doing doing uh, is really uh, encouraging our young adults to step up in their own personal faith and walk with Christ. And one of the things I'm going to encourage them to attend is a conference called SENT. Uh, this conference is going to be on the 22nd of July. Uh, Bridgman Downs Baptist Church is going to be running that one and it is one that is becoming well known around the area for particularly focusing on our young adults and empowering them to be an influence upon their peers and things like that. So uh, that's only a touch of what we're doing this year but I'm very, very excited. About moving on. <laughs> oh, it looks like he's serious about his timeline. Okay, I'm going to go really fast. I'm excited because we have amazing ministries here, first of all. So, this is my little opportunity to let you know that we have a bunch of ministries that are already reaching out into our community. Um, starting with our preschoolers, we have our play group. Um, obviously, uh, that's an amazing opportunity for young families, but they are particularly looking at reaching out this year and in inviting more people from the community into that space. Uh, we also have our Mums Meetup, which do a similar thing. Uh, our youth ministries are amazing. Uh, they have many people, uh, kids from the community coming along and we are really excited about those ministries. Uh, we have our kids club, obviously, huge community focus as well. Um, I'm excited as a new initiative uh, this year. We are going to just drill into some more opportunities for families to invite other families. So obviously 
our Making Men's uh, Ministry is doing a fantastic uh, program next Saturday. Uh, we're going to make sure that there is something every term. There's going to be an event every term that is going to be really uh, great opportunity for you to invite other people to and for our families to celebrate together. So starting with our uh, uh, fun day next Saturday. Um, I'm also really excited because last year we started with one parenting session uh, uh, that we had and it was really well attended. We're going to be looking at different topics every term and there's going to be a night available every term for you to be able to come along and be equipped in that way. Uh, we'll also be doing the Alpha Marriage course. It, who Put up your hand if you did that uh, a couple of years ago online or if you've ever done it. No, wave, really, it, yeah. And keep it up if your marriage is better now. <laughs> yep, good. It's really awesome and a fantastic opportunity uh, for you to be able to uh, invest in your own marriage but also let other people around you know that you're doing it and invite others along. So really exciting things that are going on in the life of our church that uh, I, uh, create connection. Good. Thank you. Okay, time's up. Time's up, yep. Those guys are doing that, but the other pastors we have as well, Alvin, David and Daryl. I was going to do, you know how Ananias was from Damascus? Charlie's from Parkinson, and I said Tracy is from Sunnybank, Alvin is from Runcon, David is from Samford, and Daryl's from Druvale. Anyway. Um, so we mentioned the Alpha stuff, that's ha certainly happening. World Focus team, Alvin's involved across that. He wants to do particularly some sort of social welfare stuff, reaching out, building bridges into our community and for needy people around us. Pastor David, whom we are blessed still to have with us, will continue doing a fantastic job in terms of pastoral care and developing care across our church, helping us to connect with one another, but also for newcomers. We're going to have newcomers morning teas once a term. We'll do something special on those about the middle of each term. So if you're new, we want you to be able to meet the pastors and we'll talk about some of our vision and focus and some of our values and so on. We're going to run classes and master life and I think we've covered most of that. Uh, next week, uh, no, the week uh, soon, we're going, to, we're going to finish Jonah, then we're going to jump into Acts. And we're going to look particularly at the book of Acts and we're going to look for those chosen instruments that God used through the book of Acts to spread and grow the church spread the gospel and then we're going to follow that up with power of presence in second term I think it is and helping you to become aware of who you are where you are that God has deliberately placed you in a, a sphere of influence and so for you to be that person in that context for the Lord Jesus then we're going to follow that up and eventually we'll do the book of Daniel some point towards the end of this year because Daniel was a person who followed God in the midst of Babylon and he stood for God, even though he was involved in the higher levels of leadership of government. So that's our focus, our theme for this year. Timothy of Ephesus says in chapter 2 Timothy chapter 2, this is, In God's house, those who cleanse themselves will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful uh, to the master, and prepared for any good work. As people who belong to God's house, God's family then we are to cleanse ourselves so that we can be holy. Holy just means we're set aside. We want to be God's person. And then we'll find as instruments we'll be useful to the master and we'll be prepared for every good work. And that's partly what the pastors and the pastoral team particularly will be involved in, preparing you for every good work. So our theme for this year, we are God's chosen 
instruments, shaped and used by him. We're instruments in God's orchestra. Just another way of looking at this. We are different. You could be in the string section, the wing section, the percussion section. Different ages, different abilities, different experiences. But just like in an orchestra, or if you're a member of the orchestra, you've been placed there. God has placed you where you are. In your family context, in your spheres of influence, of relationships, whether it's a work context or the neighbourhood where you live or the social hobbies that you're involved in, God has placed you there and wants to use you there. You need to be in tune, just like if you're in the orchestra, committed to God every day, available to him. You need to follow the maestro's instructions, the Lord. What does he want you to do? You have a part to play and we do that together so that we make harmony together. We encourage and support one another. We are connecting with one another every week, regularly, and concerned for others outside of the church. Let's jump into the book of Jonah, which is what we've been working through, and take a few minutes to see how God used Jonah as a chosen instrument of his to achieve his purposes in Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It's nice to read a second time. We all need a second chance, don't we? None of us are perfect. We've all, like Jonah, made mistakes and sometimes rebelled against God. But Jonah was a person who, though disciplined and pursued by God and eventually repents and changes and recommits himself to God, he is a person, an instrument, who has experienced God's grace in his life. They're the people God likes to use, the people who have experienced grace. Because then we can be gracious to others. God doesn't want us to be nasty and judgmental and highly critical. He wants us to speak the truth in love, but gracious and gently. So Jonah was spiritually renewed and so we need to be as well, committed to God every day. From inside that fish, Jonah recognised his need for God's grace and he called out to God and God gave it to him. And now what he did... He's going to tell the Ninevites to do exactly the same thing. And that's all you have to do. Just tell others what God has done in your life. So we can help you sharpen that, learn how to say that succinctly um, and clearly so that others can follow. This is what God said to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. We've spoken about how it was a great city in terms of its physical size, but it was also a great city in terms of its wickedness. It was a very violent, cruel, bloodthirsty people. They used to skin people alive and cut off their heads and stick them on the wall or on poles and then they would take the skulls and they would stack them up at the city gates. There was 1,500 towers around the city walls. The reason they had the towers was because they expected to be retaliated against so they built those massive defences. They were a very violent people and yet surprisingly God sends his servant to them. None of us, regardless of what we have done in life, none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. None of us are excluded from God's offer of grace and forgiveness. He does not exclude us. We exclude him. We say to him, we don't want to follow you. We want to do our thing, our way, our will. To which God says, have it your way. He will not impose himself upon us. He loves us greatly. He knows what's best for us. But he will not impose himself upon us. And I love this phrase. 
go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message I give you. I haven't given it to you yet. So we don't have to know everything. We don't have to have all of the solutions to every possible problem or understanding of all of the scriptures. God will give us the words to speak at the right time. We might fumble it. We might, oh, I wish I had said it this way. That would have been clearer. We've all had that experience. But that's what Jesus promised. Don't worry about what you've got to say at the time. The Holy Spirit will give you the words and you'll speak them out. Just got to be in tune with God, walking with him, working with him. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. That certainly demonstrates this change of attitude that had happened in Jonah. That's what happens for us. If we experience God's grace, then it issues forth into obedience. If you're not experiencing God's grace, that could be behind if you're not being obedient. You need to seek God's face. Ask him for his mercy and grace to you. And as you genuinely experience that, you find your life will be changed. Nineveh was a very large city. We don't know the statistics. They range from, say, 600,000. One commentator said 2 million. I reckon it's around about 1.2 million, something like that. Because there's 120,000 people in Nineveh who can't tell their left hand from their right hand. How old do you have to be before you can tell your left hand from your right hand? I asked my wife, who's a school teacher, and she said five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wasn't very helpful. So I said five. So if it's naught to five, is that about right, do you reckon? Or is it too young? I'll tell you why. If it's not to five, there's 120,000 of them. So for every five years, add 120,000, roughly. When you do that, you'll come to just over the million mark for the population of Nineveh. One million people who are, violently, who are violent people and are opposed to God. And God sends Jonah to them. God cares about all people. Nobody is excluded from him. And when we come to him, he doesn't hold grudges. He forgives us takes three days to go through Nineveh. And what that means is not if you just get out and walk for three days straight. It means if you go and visit the city, it'd take you three days to see the highlights of the city, become familiar with it. Well, that's what Jonah did. He walked through all of the markets and stood on the corners and went to the parks, walked along the river, even got to the palace gates and preached his word. This is what he said. Jonah began going through the city, started on day one. And he said very simply encapsulating the message. This is not all that he said, but this is the gist of it. 40 days from now, and Nineveh will be, over, uh, will be destroyed, overthrown. 40 days from now, that's day one. Day two, 39 days from today, Nineveh will be overthrown. Next day, 38 days, it's countdown. And the people respond to him. Is that all he said? No, because he not only said, in 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed... Because he was in the belly of the fish, his physical appearance probably changed as well. And so I'm not sure that he shared his testimony about the fish voluntarily because he was pretty reluctant about going, about sharing. So I reckon they would have asked him questions. What happened to you? Oh, I, rebelled a bit. I rebelled against God and they ran away. And God sent a big storm. They threw me overboard. How come you're not dead? Well, because God sent a big fish and he swallowed me alive. How come you're here? Well, the fish spat me out and here I am and God sent me to Nineveh. 
Bearing in mind, for the people of Nineveh, the fish was one of the gods that they worshipped. So this would be like saying, God has delivered you to us. He would have shared his testimony. Plus, later on in the story, as we had it read to us, the king says, who knows? If we put on sackcloth and repent and change our ways, who knows? God might forgive us. Where did he get that idea from? Jonah. As God had mercy upon Jonah, even though he rebelled, God saved him and delivered him. Who knows? God might do the same thing for us. Then Ninevites believed God. Jonah's speaking. I don't know how passionately, but he's given God's truth. And the Ninevites believed God, not just Nona, they believed God. Somehow God used his word to convict them and they responded by believing. They proclaimed a fast from the greatest of them to all of them and then they took off their nice clothes and they put on sackcloth, bags of um, burlap, of chaff bags. You know, they itchy and humbled themselves. Now they all look the same. None of us are better than any of the others. We're all before God sinners and we all deserve judgment. So they dressed accordingly. Surprisingly, Jonah's warning even reached the king of Nineveh. The king does this, note this. He rose from his throne. When God enters your life, you get off the throne. He becomes in charge. He took off his royal robes of his own self-glory. When God comes into your life, you will humble yourself and take off your... Not about glorifying yourself anymore, it's about glorifying him. He covered himself with sackcloth, he identified with all of the people and he sat down in the dust. He humbled himself, the king. And then he gave this decree, by decree of the king and his nobles, don't let the people or the animals, herds or flocks, taste anything, don't let them eat or drink. They're also covered in sackcloth and the very fact that the animals can't eat or drink, they would have been moaning and groaning. The whole city would have been crying out to God for mercy. Even the animals were doing it. Then the king also said, Don't let the animal and let the animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Call out to him, pray. So there is repentance, there is belief, there is prayer, there's a change in direction of their life. Let everyone give up the evil ways and their violence. Was it real? Absolutely. The king says, who knows? May he, God may yet relent and have compassion from the fierce anger that he has spoken against us and we won't perish. Was it real? Absolutely. They believed, they repented, they changed. It was real. Well, if it was real, if this whole city, this is the biggest revival in human history, there's no other record like it in all of human history that an entire city turns back to God in the space of days. We don't know how long Jonah preached for. Certainly three days, because it took him three days to go through the city. But he gave 40 days warning, six weeks. Did he keep preaching for those four, five, six weeks? Eventually he's going to spit the dummy and go sit outside. In 722 BC, it's about 40 years later, Roughly. 40 years later, what had happened in Nineveh was changed. The people who believed and repented and changed and gave up their violent ways in about 760 BC with Jonah, in 720 BC, 40 years later, they invade Israel and they take off the northern ten tribes. How come? 
Some people say, well, it's because it wasn't real. That's not my answer. My answer is it was real. But what happened is the mums and the dads or the grandparents believed. But it wasn't passed to the next generation. The next generation didn't believe. And those little kids grew up. And under the influence of whatever neighbouring nations around them, they returned to their violent ways. And once again, Assyria became, for the next 150 years, a violent nation again. There is this window of opportunity that God gives in this nation. And people turn to him. And Jesus speaks about him. He says, that generation of Jonah will rise on the day of judgment and will bring judgment upon others who don't believe because the greater than Jonah is here. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he didn't bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. So it was real. God wasn't fooled. It really happened. And God relented. God changed his mind. God changed his plan. Does God do that? Well, the Bible says he does. I know philosophically and theologically you'll turn yourself inside out. Well, how can that happen? Because God is all-knowing. There's nothing that God doesn't know and God can anticipate all things and he's all-wise. God has committed himself to responding to our response. He is our heavenly father and he wants to relate to us. And he says in Jeremiah chapter 18, if at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, if that nation that I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict the disaster that I had planned. What basically happens is this. God says in 40 days, sinful, violent, wicked Nineveh will be destroyed. But Nineveh changed. They gave up their violent ways. They turned to God and believed in him. And now at the end of the 40 days, Nineveh is not sinful, violent and wicked. They're humbled and believing and changed. And so God says, well, I'm not going to destroy that city. They're a city who follow me and believe in me. But as they, the next generation or two follow, turn back to their evil, wicked ways, then Babylon will come and will do exactly what God had warned would happen. So God responds to our response. As we follow and obey him, he responds. Time is going. So question, are you right with God? If you're in Nineveh, do you need to do anything? You need to turn back to him? Because God can forgive anyone of anything. There's only one sin the whole Bible talks about that God will not forgive. That's a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And I don't think you need to worry about that. What do you need to do? Confess your sin, forsake your sinful acts and like, seek God's face and obey him. Committed to God every day, the God of the second chance, who wants to give you a chance, doesn't hold grudges against you, wants to fill you with his spirit. God works through his chosen instruments to deliver his word. He did with Jonah. He wants to with you. He wants to use you when your sphere of influence. Should we copy Jonah? Yes and no. No. If by copying Jonah you, you think it means that we should take a one-sentence sermon and we should go stand in the street corners of Brisbane or somewhere and shout out that in 40 days from now, Brisbane will be destroyed. Shouldn't do that. Should we copy Jonah? Yes. If by that you mean Jonah listened to God, obeyed God, and said what God wanted him to say. And he varied it according to his circumstances and probably shared his story. Yeah, we should be like Jonah. Open and obedient. 
receiving God's grace and sharing it with others. What do we do? Plant the seed. We don't have to convert anybody. We don't have to change anybody. You just have to share the gospel, share the, your experience, share the word of God. Water it with prayer and fertilize it with your life. We serve God in this generation, just like Jonah did. What we need is a legion of Jonahs, of people who will take God at his word and who will go and do exactly what God wanted them to do. We are his chosen instruments in 2023. I invite you and challenge you to do exactly that. Pray for an open door of opportunity. Pray for open eyes to see the opportunity and then pray for open hearts to respond to what God says. Don't be weird. Just be normal. Be sincere. Be nice. Be considerate and be yourself. Don't be a religious nut. Don't come up with clever phrases and slogans where you can twist every conversation into an evangelistic talk. I suggest to you that that doesn't attract people, or rather it turns people off and they just think you're a religious nut. <clears throat> if people say to you, isn't it hot? You can say to them, you think it's hot here. <laughs> <clears throat> can I have a bottle of water, please? Of course, but if you drink from this bottle of water, then you will thirst again. <laughs> what a beautiful baby. Did you know you too need to be born again? Can you imagine how people are going to respond if you speak like this? When there's a knock at your door and you open it and you say, did you know that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart? <laughs> how are you going? I'm on the narrow way that leads to life. <laughs> how was your weekend? Well, you know what to say, don't you? It was good. I went to church. I heard a fantastic sermon. <laughs> Want to come? I don't think so. Do you think it'll rain? Not for 40 days and 40 nights like it once did. <laughs> Just be normal. Just be nice. Just be kind and gentle and gracious. Be yourself, your new self. And we need to pray. Pray for God to send his word, to raise up his instruments, and to make this his time for him to do a work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, send your word. Shape us as your servants. Open our eyes to see the opportunities. Open hearts to receive that which we share. And Lord, make this your time for this city. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. what's our focus for this year? Chosen instruments in his hands.